0: You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio on Sirius XM channel 142 HBCU. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life. Talking about everything that's important to our culture. From on-campus issues to politics, and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we are talking about all things HBCU football. Listen, Division Two football is over. Division One football is over. But still, we got some postseason stuff going on. Listen, Ariel is not in today. She will be back really soon. So I brought in a special guest to recap just everything that went on this weekend and also the football season in general. My brother Kelly Flicks in the building, HBCU sports analyst, contributor for Lace Up Podcast Network and HBC Red Zone. He also rocks with me on a Division Two HBCU football space on Twitter how you doing today man man i'm good man what's the big old deal i think it's time to get into it a lot of
1: different football seasons have ended and we still have a couple seasons that are still alive we're looking forward to that celebration bowl and the beach bowl but the playoffs has concluded for hbcus
0: and it's some great matchups you know i mean i think it's a lot to take away from it and i can't wait to get into it man let's go on and get into it because you know you talked about the celebration bowl so i know for all of us because you do your rankings on twitter We all thought that North Carolina Central was going to make it to the Celebration Bowl, but that didn't happen. Howard University made it to the Celebration Bowl, and it's a blessing. I'm telling you, it's a blessing. Because we're on Howard's radio station, Channel 142 HBCU. <laughs> so it, it's great for me. We can Let's talk about to Howard on Howard station. So, man, we got to go in and get into it. Howard's making the Celebration Bowl. They won the MIAC. They're the outright champions because there's no more co champions. They're the outright MIAC champions for the first time since 1993. And they're going to the Celebration Bowl for the first time. And this is their second bowl game because they made the Heritage Bowl and they beat Southern back in the 90s. So now they're going to be in the Celebration Bowl and they're going to face either Prairie View or FAMU. So let's talk about the season. I want you flicks to give us a retrospective on how university season and how you saw the season going and how they even got to this point
1: oh i mean it's uh it's been some type of season for howard i will say in the spring i, I went ahead i was on uh, my boy bridges podcast and i thought that their season would probably go like around five and six so we ended up we got to that point uh i think the the most odd part probably would be the losses in non-conference you know there were some non-conference Games where we really thought that they could have won it. You know, there there was an Easter Michigan game where we thought they could have won. They fared very well against FBS teams, right? But going into conference play, they only had about one or two wins. So it was a little shaky in the beginning for this Howard team. But one thing that didn't change was their health. You know, Quinn Williams continued to stay healthy the whole year. Jared Hunter, the running back, continued to stay healthy. Eden James has been a breakout star for this Howard team this year. And then uh, complete the three-headed monster. Ian Willer has been killing in special teams and kick return and punt return, really changing games. So this Howard team is a pretty fun team to watch. They took a couple tough losses. You know they lost to Hampton. Hampton came back on them uh, within the first five games of the season. So it's been an up and down season for Howard. Even after losing to South Carolina State early in MEAC play, there were a lot of doubters of Howard, but Howard somehow stayed the course was able to put a 50-piece on North Carolina Central. So they just slapped my top 10 in the face and said, no, nah, I don't think so. You put us at four, we deserve to be number one. So this Howard team, to me, has begun to get better throughout the season. And in NFL, college, we see it all the time. The teams that get better throughout the season usually end up in championships, either winning them or, or developing that mindset. So we see a Howard team that has now took the reins of the MIAC, took the crown from North Carolina Central, and these seniors at Howard have now shown that they are the cream of the crop, which I think is most important. This senior class for Howard is heavy, right? We're talking about maybe 10, 15 seniors, starters this year, some guys that may get a chance to go to the NFL, and they have now proven that they belong to be on the biggest stage in HBCU football,
0: and I love to see it. It's been an honor just watching Howard, because they've just given us so much to talk about. And I think that they flew under all of our radars because of just how things were going. I mean, they were the co-champions, but we know that North Carolina Central, they were the team last year. But you come in and you do well against Eastern Michigan, an FBS team that was not a slouch the year before because they were like, oh, well, you played well against the FBS team, but they were a losing team last year. No, they were a winning team last year. They did their thing last year. And Howard was better than them for a half. Eden James, if he doesn't go out, they probably win that game. Like It's just like Howard really had something going. People talked about them for that Morehouse game. Flicks, you know, I feel when it comes to folks talking down on D2 football, I don't care what it is because a win is a win. I don't care. Morehouse will be back. We know that. But, like, I think people, to a point, they really counted out Howard when they shouldn't have, because it's really hard to evaluate a team, especially in the MEAC, when they have all those out-of-conference games. So I want to ask you this, Flicks. Do you think that folks wrote off Howard too soon based on the out-of-conference record? I would say the out-of-conference record,
1: and of all the guys I've talked to, it's it's kind of been Quinn Williams. You know, I think uh, everybody that follows HBC football knows this Howard team goes based on how well Quinn Williams plays. You know, usually if he passes over 200 passing yards, they win the game. So I think a lot of people had hesitations because of that. But this Howard team is uber-talented. You know, I talk about some of the offensive guys. I didn't even name a 6'7 left tackle named Anim Dankwa out there. He's probably going to be an NFL prospect, too. Defensively, you got a bunch of guys. Darian Brokenburr out there on the defensive line. Kenny Gallup is still out there. They have a, a litany of talent, a litany of guys out there that makes up a very talented roster. I think that this Howard team, the fact that they've been so healthy right now, Being this healthy at this part of the season really helps you. And it's helped them get better every game. So I think this team, as underrated as they are, they continue to get better despite the haters, despite the chatter, despite the naysayers of Howard and them not taking football serious. Howard has taken football extremely serious this year.
0: They have. And I think people need to stop the, the conversation around that because it's clear that in all sports, Howard's doing what needs to be done. That's just a fact. You know, I'm not just saying it because we don't hear it. I'm just saying it because it's a fact. You look around the basketball team. They won the MEAC championship. Then they made the tournament, and they played Kansas pretty well in basketball. You see what they're doing in football. You see what they're doing in golf. Shout out to Steph Curry. So, like, I-, I just really like what I'm seeing from Howard but I didn't like to see this as someone that I sort of wanted to see how I make the Celebration Bowl. I started sort of rooting for it as the season went on because I wanted Howard and family to make it so it could be the Hollywood Bowl because I want to see the celebrities pop out, the attention, all the different stuff. But, Flicks, we got to talk about that South Carolina State game because that was one of Buddy Pugh's final games, and you have Jawan Howell on 27 attempts, he got 283 net yards, three touchdowns. You look at the passing numbers. Corey Fields Jr. had 19 yards passing, only 11 attempts. Flick, you be breaking out the film. You know football. I call you a scout. Like, you know these teams. You know the roster. You know the playbook. How does that happen? One way to beat Howard is to run the ball, you know, and this South Carolina State team. If this is one
1: thing that they do well, it's running the football. You know, you spoke about Jawan Howe and how he's been playing. He's probably one of the best HBC running backs in the nation at this point. He's only a freshman. He's a young guy, big stature. Buddy Pugh found him a winner down there. You know, if Buddy Pugh left anything at South Carolina State, it's Jawan Howe. You know, and there's a couple other running backs back there that work pretty well with them, like Tyler Smith and guys like that. So, you know, even looking forward to the Celebration Bowl matchup, if it is FAMU, they have a bunch of good running backs too. If it is Prairie them, they have a bunch of good running backs too. So just looking at that Howard-South Carolina State game, I don't think anybody could have predicted it. But I think uh, something that went into it was the fact that it was uh, South Carolina State's homecoming, right? That was the most packed I've ever seen those stands be. And uh, I think the, the whole... South Carolina State, if you go there, it's a trap. It is, that All of that played into this game. I think Howard went in there looking forward, looking to the next game. And South Carolina State this season has been going week to week. <laughs> they run them week to week schools. How can we win this game? But Howard, they got in the way of Juwan Howe and got ran
0: over. And that's just the fact like 283 yards only so many yards passing like that is such a 1960 score like that's something out like the civil rights movement man like i'm telling you that's like the jake gave the eddie robinson years out here man but that game was crazy so we all thought man listen it's gonna be north carolina central they're going back we don't got nothing to worry about but we still were excited about the game that followed North Carolina central versus Howard. They were talking about the co-championship. Trey Oliver had a lot to say, but it wasn't much to say when Howard put 50 on them and almost flipped the score and Davies Richard, we'll talk about him in a second. He only had 77 yards passing. He had a really dope run for a touchdown. It was really cool, but it wasn't really a lot of highlights and Howard really locked up. So I want to ask you this flicks. Like, How did Howard win that game against a North Carolina Central team that we all thought was the number one team in HBCU football? Man,
1: I got to chalk it up to the preparation on there at Howard, to be honest. Uh, You look at the the two rosters, two super talented rosters, but uh, it's going to take a lot of coaching to out-scheme the other guy. I think Howard jumped out quick on them, really based on them scheme. They came out with some nice openers on offense to create a nice opening drive. And, you know, one thing that's been going against North Carolina Central is their run defense. I mean, I don't know what it is with the MIAC, but certain teams' run defense just ain't there. And this North Carolina Central team has an issue with gap control at times. And really with Howard, Howard's going to run the ball. That's something that they're going to do. They might go RPO with Q Will, but at the end of the day, they're going to run the ball with Eden James and Jared Hunter. And once those guys start getting downhill behind those big linemen, like I mentioned with a name Dankwa, it gets a little ugly for your defense, right? You don't really want to be on your heels against this Howard team. There's a lot of times we see Howard, they get into the red zone. It's one, two plays, and they're in. And I think that's honestly because North Carolina Central's defense is getting worn down. We saw a Howard team really go old school. You talk about some old school takes. They really went old school, decided just to run the ball, pound the rock, work that into play action, and really get up on this North Carolina Central team. Now, did I think that any team would put 50 points on North Carolina Central? No, never. I think there was no team. I mean, maybe you Late might have been the only team, but I can tell you that might put up 50 on North Carolina Central. But Howard, to put up 50? I mean, I think Coach just remembers the, press, the presser, the Miag presser in the preseason that led to all this, you know what I mean? Coach Trey Oliver going, why would you want to see a rematch of this? And, and Coach Champions, and... and I think he remembered all that, man. I think that bulletin board was filled from week zero all the way to week eight when they played. And I think the team was fired up, the coach was fired up, and
0: the 50-piece was sending a message. Listen, that was a message. It was sent immediately. It was clear. It was an email on 5G. I'm telling you, man, like, they got that. They got that clear. And then how it goes on to beat Morgan State, and they're in the Celebration Bowl, so it's super excited for that so before we move over to north carolina central in this fcs playoffs situation i gotta ask you this so we don't know at this current moment who is going to be facing howard we think it's going to be fam you prepare you and them you know they, they might surprise us so depending on who it is and we can give a deeper breakdown at another time but if it's prayer of you or fam you whoever comes out the swag do we think that howard has a good chance of winning the celebration Bowl? I mean, you gotta take Howard
1: serious. If you even if you don't like Howard's
0: team, they've proven
1: it, right? They've beaten North Carolina Central, the team that we've all thought was the number one team in HBCU football. They've gotten the wins, you know, whether it be dirty, ugly, clean, they've they've done it a litany of ways. So you gotta respect this Howard team. I think going into this game, if Famu's in the game, I'd give Fam the favor. But if Howard's gets Perry and M, Howard's definitely the favorite. I think that just goes to show how good we think this Howard team is. I think Howard is Better than the second team in the SWAC, however you want to put it, whether it be Alcorn, Jackson State, PV, whoever else, they're better than. So I think that deserves some respect in and of itself because this Howard team is is not to be slept on. Right. And there's been a there's always some talk about how the MEAC has this time to rest and in between the SWAC championship. Well, at the end of the day. The Swag also knows who they're gonna play for a couple of weeks. <laughs> they know they know this Howard team is coming. They know Howard's waiting in the wings. There's no surprise about it. So at the same time that Howard has his time to rest and they can sit around and do whatever, all right. After FAMU and PV have a uh, game plan for this Swag Championship game, I'm sure they've already looked ahead at Howard to take a look, take a peek, and so. How do we match up? What do we need to do? And how do we need to prepare for this team? Because we only have a week to do it after the SWAC championship.
0: Shout out to Howard. Howard made the Celebration Bowl. I think deep down in our hearts, we're all excited because, you know, we want to see Howard in Atlanta, have the brand that big in the Celebration Bowl on ABC. Everybody know Howard. The vice president, Kamala Harris, went to Howard. You got Thurgood Marshall, Howard Law, got Chadwick Bozeman, Black Panther, rest in peace to him from Howard. So folks know Howard, all right? But here's the consequence of HBCU football, right? So we have the Celebration Bowl. Our conferences in FCS are the only conferences that has an FCS bowl game. But you have the FCS playoffs, right? So if you're good enough and your record's good enough and you have the resume, you can make the FCS playoffs and North Carolina central made it with an at large bid. They finished nine and two. They beat Elon. They beat Campbell. They beat their rival North Carolina AT, Who's in the CAA. They went three and zero oh in the CAA in the regular season, they lost to Howard. So listen, they made the FCS playoffs. It was a lot of buzz around it. Davius Richard flicks. I think he's Steve McNair. light. Like when I, like, I know I wasn't alive for Steve McNair. But when I see Davies Richard and I look back at that tape, I see Steve McNair. Now, I don't think he's as good as a passer as Steve McNair because Steve McNair really could do both. But I see Steve McNair when I see Davies Richard. So I think we all thought that there was going to be a nice little run that North Carolina Central made in the playoffs, but it didn't happen. So it has been a lot of chatter in these HBCU streets. About North Carolina Central losing in the playoffs and also not making the Celebration Bowl, even finishing the season nine and two and nine and one in, in the FCS. So, my question to you is do we view this season as a failure for North Carolina Central? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Postseason
1: play definitely has a lot to do with it, but I don't think we thought Jackson State was a failure when they lost in the Celebration Bowl twice, even though they had the, the number one recruit in each class 2021, 2022. You know, so I don't think that's a good way to look at it. I will say that it's a decent measuring stick, right? When we talk about FCS playoffs and, you know, dipping your toe in that water and seeing what you got, this Central team should have beaten Richmond this past weekend. There's no doubt about it. And there's definitely some disappointment about it because we saw a road for Central to go make a run for the Final Four, right? If they would have won this game, moving forward throughout this bracket, they had a pretty good chance. The game did not end up how they wanted it to end up. There were some injuries. And I will say this. There's injuries across every team at this point in the season. We're like at week 13 of college football season. If, if you're not out, you're injured. You're playing hurt. Uh, I think, unfortunately, during the game, Davis Richard ended up separating his shoulder, which was was hard for anybody to take. And he still stays in the game and tries to do his Dougie out there. And he, he tried pretty honorably. But uh, this this central defense, though, throughout the season, central defense has let them down. And, and the tough games... They have to let them down. They have to have comebacks. If we don't remember the Campbell game, where Campbell got up on Central, Central had to come back by about twenty points. That's on the defense. I mean, the, the offense ended up scoring around forty points, uh, fifty points to win it, but that's on the defense. And that same thing happened versus Howard also, and we saw the same thing against Richmond. Now, I think this Central team. In uh, comparison to, you know, the Miac counterparts, the SWAT counterparts, I think they are, are still one of the best teams at HBCU football. I think uh, at the end of the day, they'll probably end up in my top three based on who wins Celebration Bowl. But uh, as far as the FCS playoffs, there was a very good article by HBCU Game Day where they went in and they talked to the, the head coach of Richmond. And head coach of Richmond just put everything into perspective for us in saying that the FCS playoffs for Richmond means everything. That is literally the only postseason berth that they can have the whole season. They've been talking about playoff, 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 whereas central looks as the playoff as a consolation prize. In all honesty, it's a consolation prize. You're not going to be a top seeded team. You're going to be an at-large team. You're probably going to have an away game. It isn't ideal for any HBCU. So I think that just that focus of the teams is, is that much different. And they take the games. It's a, they're, they both take it serious. But I think there's a different competitive nature when you literally count down for 13 weeks for the playoffs and you're counting down for
0: 13 weeks for the celebration bowl. Two different mindsets. Let's zero back in on Davies Richard, right? We all think he's the best quarterback in HBCU football. I've gone as far, and I've not workshopped this. I said on the show flicks, I've not asked the old heads, all right? I've not asked the folks that was at Howard in the 90s when Jay Walker beat Steve McNair in a classic game against Allcorn or the Alcorn faithful or the Jackson State faithful. I haven't asked them or, or said my take on how Davis Richard is Steve McNair alike. I think they'll, they'll disagree just off GP. But, like, it, it's, it's hard really to, to go against that because you just look at what he does but my thing is this you have steve bingner he was picked number three in the nfl draft we haven't had a quarterback drafted since tavarius jackson in 2006 at alabama state and we really want to see our guys get into the nfl because that's an ambitious recruiting pitch for us so with davius richard his season and his career likely is over i mean he's he's a senior so it's likely over he wants to go to the nfl and get opportunity to play on that level do you think he'll get drafted? Do you think he'll be an undrafted free agent? Like, what do you think happens to Davius Richard come the spring? It's a
1: little early, and I will say I, I too have also been rooting for HBC quarterbacks. I think it's very important that HBC quarterback gets a shot at the next level. We we haven't seen it yet. We've seen you know a couple of short stints. You know, what I mean, we we got to see it. our boy from Allcorn did get a shot at the Browns for a couple of days, so that was good. But uh, we have a couple of very good prospects this year. But the, the only the kicker is. It's a very good quarterback class this year. Uh, we, this is a Jaden Daniels out there that, that may not even go first round. They're even talking about if Pennix will go first round. So I think this is a loaded quarterback draft. Uh, but also, you look at the NFL, the, the need is at quarterback. So you got to expect a lot of guys to get snatched up this year. I think Davis Richard probably goes undrafted. I think he gets an invite to camp and gets a good look at camp. But I think what will be most important is going to be testing. Right. The size and the strength of Davis will come out during testing the 40 speed getting to see him throw to different receivers and things like that. That's going to help him. You know, even hearing from a on Davis side on what, what's going on. I heard that even some of the passes that that seemed like they're a little out of reach actually might be in reach. So I'd like to see davius Richard throw to some other receivers, you know, get a chance at the HBC Legacy Bowl, throw to some other guys that may be a little more talented than his guys in North Carolina Central. Maybe that also may not have been giving us the best look at davius Richard. So I think in these next, this next month will probably be the most pivotal time for davius Richard. Right now, I'd have him as an undrafted free agent, as a camp guy, get an invite to camp, maybe make a practice squad. Because in all honesty, you talk about the depth of the NFL and these quarterbacks. I would use a guy like Davius Richard to be my backup to Jalen Hurts, right? Why, why would I have to change my offensive system because the backup quarterback comes in the game? Why can't I keep it the same, right? And so you look so more – well, look, I look more in-depth. Talk about regionally. A lot of these guys, every player that is pretty much drafted, regionally, that's usually around where they end up. They usually end up one or two states away. You know what I mean? We probably won't see Davius Richard – over at the Chargers next year, right? It's <laughs> probably going to be somewhere NFC South or AFC East, you know? So I think that with Davis, the sky is the limit for him right now at this point. As long as he can get healthy enough to go ahead and, you know, finish up that shoulder, get that shoulder together, get healthy enough to end up participating in all these different senior bowls and all this testing, I think that his drive start can actually rise. You know, a guy with that type of stature makes a lot of NFL guys go, oh, hold on, let me take a look at him at least for a second. So, hey, you know what I mean? you give them him the Steve McNair light. I think that he has it, right? And when you watch the film, you go, oh, okay, he has it. And, and that's what makes a scout go, I think I want that guy on my team.
0: I think that's pivotal because Davies is a playmaker. And what we see in the NFL today is that NFL game sort of boring. Because those guys that were playmakers, you had the pocket passer guys, you had the Tom Brady's, you had the Peyton Manning's, you had the Matt Ryan's, the guys that were pocket passers. Then you had your, your Michael Vick, your Donovan McNabb's, you know, you guys like that that really were making plays, but they were looked down upon. Like, oh, you all y'all are running the ball. Can't you throw? You're a glorified running back. But now it's sort of necessary that you make plays with your legs because the defense is so good. They have different schemes, the zone, the man. You have guys that can keep up with the route right receivers. So sometimes, like we saw with Jalen Hurts against the Bills, he had that game-winning drive, made it happen. I mean, you got to make plays at this point. So I like what you said about how Davis maybe can back up And 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 eagles in that system, that RPO, I think will do really well with that. But I gotta just throw this out there before we move on. All right, the Falcons. Okay, you said you know, typically you stay in the area, stay at NFC South. The Falcons, listen, Desmond Ritter ain't it. Get Deggus Richard. Listen, he in Atlanta. All right, you got all the HBCUs down there, you can do some good stuff. All right, you draft the HBCU players before Shador Knight is not coming out this year, okay? He going to stay a, 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 another year at Colorado. So get Davies now and lock down that spot at this point. I promise you, every HBCU football fan outside of like the Saints fans and the Cowboys fans will be Falcons fans, okay? I, I assure you, if you pick Davies Richard, you, you like the Falcons for, for, for Davies Richard Flicks? Right. That would be super dope. That would be super dope. And even choosing these teams, the, the only
1: thing I have worrying, about, I got to bring it up because it is a thing, only thing I am worried about with Davis Richard is if they say his arm talent isn't good enough and they want to switch his position. We've seen this a lot. You know, different quarterbacks, they'll move you to receiver, they'll move you to tight end. Sometimes these, these NFL draft, these scouts think they know more than anybody else in the world. And they think they see your talent and they understand it better than anybody else in the world. So hopefully, you know, they don't try to move his position, change him or anything. Not to make this a little dark, but you've got to bring up some possibilities because at the end of the day, it won't even be our choice. But I'm hoping, though, that he gets a shot down in the NFC South, you know what I mean, AFC East. You know, I think there's a ton of positions that he could go at, especially not even thinking about starting, just be a backup. Because we see in the NFL now, starters go down like it's nothing. You need to have one or two guys. you got to have an extra practice squad guy in there. And if Davies gets a shot, I think Davies is going to shine in any situation that he ends up in in the
0: NFL. I want to say this too. another team. I think is interesting because you said the Eagles point about how he sort of fits that system. If, if Jalen Hurts goes down, you can slide in Davis Richard and he can do sort of some of the same things that Jalen can do. Of course, Jalen has had more experience. He's had Super Bowl experience. Davis would have to sort of hop on that learning curve and step up, you know, to, to that level. But you can sort of do some of the same things. The Ravens, the Ravens would be another good one as an insurance policy for Lamar. You just signed that new contract. Davis reminds me a lot of Lamar as well because I think that he does well with his legs, makes great plays. He can go have a crazy run. You know, he can evade tacklers. It's also hard to tackle him because Davis is a big dude. It's just hard to tackle him too. So I think that the Ravens also would be a nice spot for him. And those are both my favorite teams, Falcons and the Ravens, so you know. I mean, you know, just slide in, slide Flick, you know what I mean?
1: He, he fits both of those schemes. You know, he needed a power running, a power runner at the quarterback position at times. And look, Davius Richard gets that done. You talked about the game where he had like 70 uh, passing yards. He probably had about 200 rushing yards. He's just one of those guys. If I can't get it this way, I'm going to get it this way. And you got to love it from a quarterback.
0: Exactly, especially in this day and age. Davis is box office, so like, they need to to do something because we need some box office in the NFL because it's boring, and college football has been way better this year. But anyway, okay, speaking of college football and the intricacies of it, so, Flicks, you know how I feel about this next topic. FCS playoffs versus the Celebration Bowls. About a few weeks ago, I wrote an article where I did a case study. I didn't really provide an opinion I just looked at the numbers. So I looked at the viewership numbers. I looked at the players drafted. I looked at the attendance numbers, sort of some factors that indicate success because you have the Celebration Bowl that is on ABC. It generates, you know, roughly 2 million viewers. It got 1.9 million in 2019. You have the FCS championship. A lot of those games that you're leading up to the FCS championship are on ESPN+. Plus. A couple of them creeped up on ESPN and ESPN2 around bowl season that last game before you got to the championship we determined who they were. It was North Dakota State and South Dakota State last year. That was on ESPN during bowl season. But typically, it's locked away on ESPN+. Plus. So then you get to the championship. They have it on ABC now. They moved it over. And the Celebration Bowl is routinely drawing more viewership the FCS playoffs, the draw more attendance than the FCS playoffs. But you have a lot of folks in HBCU life that are just committed to us being in the FCS playoffs. Even when we know there's a guaranteed money payout for both teams, especially if you win, you know, the fans like it. It's a cultural cachet. You're on ABC. And that's the big platform that we see from 2015 to 2023, that there is a lot of viewership for it. But folks are committed to the playoffs. So I know where you stand, Flex. But I want you to tell the the world, the the radio and podcast audience how you're feeling about this FCS playoffs versus celebration bowl debate. It's it's really no debate. I think there's
1: no debate. The the top teams in FCS will probably agree with us where I think Delaware will be interested in playing a bowl game rather than going to the FCS playoffs and trying to prove themselves against MVFC teams and a big talking point in this whole scenario is the fact that HBCU conferences the two HBCU conferences the MIAC and the SWAC don't have automatic bids right so any time that they will be invited to the playoffs will be in an at-large situation if you don't know what that means they probably will never have a buy. Okay, they're, all, they're probably always being the toughest situation in a first round away game, and, and that's going to be it no matter what. When it comes to FCS playoffs versus the Celebration Bowl, I really don't think it's a versus. I think it actually works together, right? The Celebration Bowl attracts the two conference champions, and the other teams that were not able to make the conference championship or win it should now be able to qualify for the playoffs. I think if you're anybody, if you're an HBCU supporter and you would like more FCS HBCU teams in, in the playoffs, then you would probably root for the the two through five teams in the SWAC and in the MIAC. I think when it comes to the MVSC, when it comes to the Big Sky Conference, their number two through five are extremely competitive. You know, they're second place in third place, fourth place, fifth place. I think Richmond might've been like a top five team in the CAA this year. So it it all comes down to depth at the end of the day. If your two through five can accumulate up to eight wins, that's when you get some love. Right. And and this year we got to see that from the MIAC, right. The MIAC was able to present us a second place team that had nine wins with North Carolina central, right. We could have saw the same thing out of the SWAC this year. We could have had a SWAC and a MIAC member. The Alcorn state and Jackson state also had very good schedules to make it to the FCS playoffs. If they would have been eight or nine win teams, they probably also would have got an at large bid to the playoffs. So I think that these two things work together. I think the celebration bowl is for the champions. The FCS playoffs is for the the consolation prize at the end of the day, right? We don't see the same attendance numbers in the FCS playoffs. We don't see the same uh, revenue in the FCS playoffs. It is simply the the lower tier of the two. If North Dakota State and South Dakota State could play a bowl game at the end of the year, every year, I promise you they would do it, right? At the end of the day for these FCS schools, it's about making money, right? The big difference between the FCS and FBS is is a lot of that money talk, right? And how do you even the, the playing ground? Well, that's having bowl games, right? That's having classics. Those type of games are going to make you the money that you want to make as a school at this level. So I think that for a lot of HBCU supporters, they look at this as a versus, celebration bowl versus the playoffs, when in actuality, it works together, right? We saw North Carolina Central, who may have been the number one HBCU team, go to the playoffs. And we're still going to see a great celebration bowl in spite of it.
0: And I think it's so interesting you said Delaware, because as you know, Delaware trying to go to FBS. So they're not trying to be in the playoffs. They trying to be in a bowl game, just like how James Madison, like they've been fighting and they had an amazing season and they're about to make a bowl game. Those fans are, are going to be up for that bowl game. The administration and those football players are going to be up for that bowl game. Like a lot of these teams move from the FCS to the FBS because it doesn't make money sense because they want to get what the FBS has, which is a ball game. We have a ball game and we complain it because HBCU fans, one thing to know how to do is complain and there are valid criticisms. I don't think that HBCUs are without reproach and I've had my criticisms as well on several fronts, but I just think when it comes to the celebration bowl, we have to look at what makes sense. And Flix, I said this to you before is this is the thing I don't understand when it comes to HBCU fans. I think HBCU fans look at college football as if it's the NFL or if it's the NBA. Like, oh, like, man, you got to win the playoffs. Is Patrick Mahomes really clutch? Is Josh Allen clutch? Is he really a top quarterback? Because he hasn't made, you know, the AFC championship. Or, hey, LeBron didn't make the finals. Is he really the GOAT? Like, that's how folks look at it when it is college football. In the pros, if you don't make the playoffs, that's an indictment on your coach. It's an indictment on the players. Narratives start to swirl. If you don't advance far in the playoffs, and we're saying Joel Embiid, for example, is an MVP. Like, hey, that might be an indictment on him being a great player saying, hey, you can't make it to the big game. You can't make a deep run in the playoffs. But I think that when you look at college football, it's different because it's a business within itself. You look at the FBS, there's a playoff system. With the playoff system, they're bowl games. You look at these other teams. It's a 14 team playoff right now. It's going to expand to a 12-team playoff. You have multiple teams that want to get bowl eligible. It's not about, hey, I want to get to the playoffs, or, at-large bid. They're trying to get a bid into the bowl games. The bowl game is the past, it's the present, it's the future. And we see, even as the FBS is expanding to a playoff system, it's still all about the ball games. Those games are going to be ball games where those 12 teams are going to receive payouts as they advance in that playoff system. And that's the thing that I don't understand. This is a uniquely football issue because we know that March Madness, we have HBCUs that, that qualify. We've had a, we have had HBCU that have really made it. Chaney, for example, the women, like they made it all the right way to the Final Four we thought that howard was going to do the impossible for half then, then we got real you know what i'm saying but like like it's an it's a football issue like i don't necessarily have an issue per se with the other playoff systems in the other sports we're talking about uniquely football issue where football we know is one of the two revenue sports we know that football is what the fans care about and we know that football is a great recruiting tool i know students that said that they went to their HBCU because of football. I know students and alumni that said they went to their school in general, PWI or HBCU, because of their athletics program. So you want to get money for it. Flicks, is it bad I want to get money, Flex. Like, well, what's so bad about that, Flix? Ain't nothing wrong with getting paid, man. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, they acting like, oh, all you want is to get money. You don't want to stack up. Like, man, Richmond don't want to stack up. What you mean? If, if, if you told Richmond you know you know what, you beating North Carolina Central, do you want to go to the celebration mode? They'd be like, like, let's celebrate. They'll pay their own way. Right, like that. They'll be like celebrate good times. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Like like, they'll learn. They'll learn the electric slide. They'll learn the cupid shuffle. (laughs) Like they'll like. Like like, I'm telling you, they'll they'll be there because they want to be in a bogey. We have something that folks leave the FCS to get, and we're not satisfied. I know we want better, and we do want our HPCUs to be in a situation where we can say that, that we're the best. But at the same time, I don't think that we're sacrificing that at this point. I think that we're, number one, we're we're getting that exposure, we're getting that money, and we're showcasing our culture and our history and our, our brand of football to the world. But at the same time, we're getting out of a dying system to a point because the FCS playoff system, as it is, does not work. The the thing
1: to me is that we got the best of both worlds this year, right? We got a, a Miag team in the playoffs and we got the Swag and the Miag champion that's going to be in a celebration, but we got the best of both worlds. What would really be the, the true difference? Like is, is FAMU going to the playoffs that serious? And, and, and look, say if FAMU does go to the playoffs, if they lose first round, North Carolina Central loses first round, what do we have from this season to take away from at all? You know what I mean? So I think – there's, there's also a, a strong point in, in really understanding what is your team's aspiration? What's your team's goals, right? Like just circling back to what the Richmond coach said. at The whole season, their goal was to make it to the FCS playoffs. That's their Super Bowl. Like they, I'm pretty sure seniors cried when they were announced as a team that's going to make it to the FCS playoffs. They get one more game. And to me, Central was probably like, well, we got one more game. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a different situation. And that, that overall mindset goes into changing the teams. And like I'm saying, if those two through five teams get better in the MIAC and the SWAC, they'll also be in the playoff. And I think that should be the goal. If we can have a deeper conference full of teams of seven and eight wins, they'll probably end up getting a shot at that next, that next postseason berth that we're all asking everybody to get, apparently.
0: Listen, Flix, I'm going to tell you something I just thought about. You know it's crazy... When a white person tells a black person, man, listen, you're so privileged. <laughs> <laughs> the cold roll reversal right there. Like, it's, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm aspiring to pay money to advance in the playoffs. You get hundreds of thousands of dollars and be on ABC in front of the world. Like, oh, man, you you so lucky. Like, <laughs>
1: 1.5
0: million to change your mind, boy. Won't it? Won't it? And then the exposure, like just like the events around it, like I just, I, I really want HBCU football fans to stop complaining. Like I just don't understand the problem because what I think is valid is this: I think it's valid that maybe we should do what North Carolina Central did as HBCU programs and schedule tough teams within our divisions. I think that that's something that is valid, like how North Carolina Central they faced Elon last year, they faced New Hampshire. This year, they faced Campbell again after Campbell beat them. I, I think that that's fair. I wouldn't be mad if Richmond maybe to, to open up the season next season. If they can, they could put Richmond back on their schedule. I, I'm not mad at that, nor am I mad at what the MEAC does when they'll play FCS teams after they do the money games. But my thing is that we have to accept having a good thing. We talk about media rights. We talk about money allocations for teams all these different things. you get upwards of hundreds of thousands to a million dollars being in the celebration bowl. Your recruitment is going up being in the celebration bowl. Your branding opportunities are going up in the celebration bowl. Your alumni activations from, from both your alumni that are boosters that really are out recruiting, that are out giving money, but also your notable alumni. It's really within the realm of possibility that Vice President Kamala Harris might show up to the celebration bowl. We joking. But she was at the March Madness tournament against Kansas. She was there. She's talked to the team. We got it on, on video. Who's to say she won't pull up to Atlanta and be, and be at the game? Lance Gross, Anthony Anderson, like Taraji P. Henson. Who's to say they won't come? Will Packer for FAMU, Ralph Hardy. Like, who's to say they won't say, you know what? Let's do a movie (laughs) based on the celebration. Who to say they won't bring some cameras? Like, I I just, I really want us to open our minds to the fact that college football, more than any other sports that is in America, is a business. And yes, NBA is a business. Yes, the NFL is a business. Yes, MLB, all these other professional leagues. But it goes down to play over Netflix Like, it's about how you play. But over here, it's about the money and branding opportunities to lift your athletic programs up so you can compete in resources to make it and continue to win season after season and get good players in and build a legacy and build a lineage. But I want to give it to you, Flicks. final word on this, although we know when this comes out, it ain't going to be the final word. Folks have a lot to say.
1: I mean, I look at the Celebration Bowl like one of the New Year's Six Bowls. You know, I honestly think it should be, if they can't move it to January, have it around the Rose Bowl, have it around the Orange Bowl. I think that this is just as prestigious as all the rest of those bowls. Not just because of the, the, the crowd, not just because of the payouts. Those are just, you know, things that go with it. But because this Celebration Bowl has become historic. I think there's nothing like it. Even now, you know, non-HBCU watchers are watching the Celebration Bowl at the end of the year. They might not have ESPN+. Plus, they might not have HBCU go HBCU plus, but they might not be able to see any of those games. But around Celebration Bowl time, they asking me, "Yo, Flicks, who, who's in it this year? Is it Jackson State? Is it is that that Richard kid back in it?" Because they honestly have seen the games. You know, this is one of the games. I think probably the one game that if you watch HBCU football game, it's gonna be the Celebration Bowl. And it's great to see that two champions will be showcasing their talent for a game for the nation. And, and I'm not gonna be honest. The world is probably watching. Look at that
0: viewership. It's probably the world. I just think that we have to look at the money element. Look at what's happening to the Pac-12. It's about money in FBS too. So why can't we be about our check as well? Because they gave up a lot of rivalries. They gave up a lot of good games to leave. So I'm just saying, if they can't be about their money, why can't we be about our money? But we will leave it there, and we'll talk about another playoff matchup real quick benedict now you know i'm a fort valley state university graduate all right flicks and you listen you know you rock in with all the d 2 hus man you rock with morehouse every two man you got a lot of love for morehouse man so i gotta ask you man benedict lost 35 to 25 in the division two playoffs they had a first round bye they lost in the in the second round it was on their home field because the playoff system in the in division two we don't like it either, but at the very least, like a Benedict, a really good team with Tuskegee and Albany state, you might can get a first one by a Bowie can get a, a first round by or something of that nature, or maybe even host a home game. in the Division two playoff system, but you know, Benedict, they had a great season, but a lot of folks are looking at this game crazy. So I want to ask you real quick, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I've had a little bit of time for it to settle. You know what I mean? I know we had the, the Twitter space, at the end of the night on Saturday, speaking about it, but I do kind of I share the same sentiments now. I think that this Bendick team they're still respected for this loss. You know, what I mean, it's a it's a loss. I'm disappointed in Benedict and losing. I thought they could have really made a run in the, in the D2 playoffs, you know, and go get invited to the Gulf South Invitational and <laughs> go handle some handle some business. But you know, first thing first was having to deal with Lenore Ryan and, and really Lenore Ryan. they they're a force. They're a force. We watched two very good teams go head to head right? And if you haven't been watching D2 football, you probably wouldn't know the difference, but Lenore Ryan is a very strong team, right? They average around 40, 50 points a game, right? Even to hold them to 35 was a decent job by Benedict, but they allowed too many yards in this game. Uh, The Benedict defense that we know and love, they were there, but they weren't as strong as they usually are, right? This defensive line got about four sacks this game, which was pretty good for them, but they weren't able to get the necessary stops to win this game. At the end of the day, Benedict was chasing this game, right? After halftime, Benedict led the game. There weren't some adjustments that were made on Benedict's side that I think led to a 14-point deficit in the third quarter. I think that's what hurt Benedict the most. And by the end of the fourth quarter, we saw a Benedict team and the offense was rolling, but they were just t- simply trying to play catch up, right? And the four-minute drill turned into a two-minute drill, turned into a last possession of the game. And, you know, it, it kind of it broke our hearts, but I would say that this Benedict team they really came out, and they came out swinging, right? We saw Aeneas Dennis go for 370 yards, right? We saw the, the, our receiver Reggie at uh, Benedict go six catches for about 200 receiving yards. I haven't, I haven't mentioned the boy's name all year, right? But he came out playing. Caden High, the freshman, young freshman at Benedict, wide receiver, looked very good out there. He came out and showed, he looked like he'd been out there for three or four years making a lot of big catches, moving the sticks on defense. Jerron Kilpatrick looked pretty good. He ended up having an interception. But I think at, at the end of the day, this defense got really tired. Lenore Ryan kept pushing. And for Benedict to win this game, I've been trying to figure out the past couple of days, how could they have won this game? Defensively, they needed more turnovers. At the end of the day, they had to get the team to turn over more. And a lot of these Benedict dominant wins at the in the second half, they began to create turnovers. They create chaos. They didn't create much chaos in the second half, right? They were a lot trying to tackle guys, chasing guys, and they weren't able to enforce their will. If Benedict was more aggressive in this game and attacking, not trying to play catch-up, they might have ended up on the winning side of things.
0: Let's talk about the SWAC championship. So we know Fam you they've been red hot. They've been doing their thing. They only lost two games in the SWAC in the three seasons that they've been in. In the conference, and both of them have been to Deion Sanders and Jackson State. Deion left. They started to roll. They beat Jackson State to start the year. They had sort of a close one against Alabama State, but they won that game. They beat Southern. They beat any team in the SWAC that was put in front of them, including their opponent, Prairie View AM, where on homecoming, they had a party, Flicks. So Prairie View, FAMU are going at it again. What do you think wins this game, and why? Oh man, I, th- I think, honestly I
1: think it's gonna be a better game than everybody thinks it's gonna be. You know, after the, the homecoming game, they put hands they put hands on Pierre I can't lie, they put some hands on them boys, and it was another. It was a home game. This is also gonna be a home game. I did hear that this game isn't sold out. I'm sure it's gonna be close to it, and I'm sure everybody's there gonna be super loud. Part of it is this is family's first SWAT championship, right? So emotions are gonna be running extremely high. We're gonna see some players out there running extremely fast and and really doing their thing gets their assignment but when it comes to the game i'm looking forward to Jeremy musa having a pretty good game he's gonna have a d- really interesting matchup with the other quarterback trey conley down there pre and conley has had a very weird year right last year was a weird year for him they, they kind of have him under low volume you know what i mean i think he was under 200 pass attempts last year this year they, they kind of let him just go but he's kind of been a turnover machine so there, there's 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 uh, part of this that goes, if Prairie A&M really wants to get into this game, they're going to have to rely on Trazon Conley to really keep them around. I, I haven't checked the spread on this, but I'm sure uh FAMU's probably favored by about maybe 10 points or more. I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think that this FAMU team does very well on offense, defense, special teams, you know, the three-pronged attack. And that's what's really hard enough to, to stop because you want to find a chink in FAMU's armor, And sometimes they have these big, slow starts. And it's like, maybe they don't show up to the second half. But their special teams is always on point. You got Marcus Riley back there, a pretty good kicker, good punter. And their defense, oh, man, so much to say about their defense. They had a guy, Isaiah Majors, he's on the finalists. He's on, the like, pretty much the final 25 for the Buck Buchanan Award. So they have some guys on that defense. It might not be Isaiah Land and guys like that that's getting to the quarterback. But this defense swarms to the ball. Pretty good on the back end. Kendall Bowler's probably going to be uh, one of the top HBCU draft prospects. Around 6'2", 6'3". Cornerback, real rangy guy, great hands. So I think FAMU really has a lot going for him in this game. And, and I'd be inclined to think that FAMU's going to win this game by a lot of points.
0: I think so, too. And what I'll say is this. You said you haven't checked the betting odds, but FAMU's probably favored. Because FAMU's favored by God, okay? I'll tell you that much. <laughs> this is divine timing. Do you know how long they want to make the Celebration Bowl? And, and they they a game away, and we think they're gonna lose a pair of you. Like no, if this is a freezing cold take, I will take it. it they gonna win. Like dude, they should have made it twenty nineteen. I tell Ariella all the time because Ariella she, she's a T alum. I tell her all the time like we both know because a T beat Famu that year, but then they had they got on probation with NCAA. They should have made this celebration bowl in 2019 against Alcorn, which I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Maybe they would have won. The and maybe, yes. they and the chance, maybe they would. And that might have changed. Maybe they would have won to go to the swag. Maybe the Mia, you know, it would have kept FAMU. Up we don't know. We can't go back in time. This ain't back to the future. You know what I mean? But I tell you what, FAMU they go they're they going to master to their future which is the celebration bowl or the, should we call it the hollywood bowl oh my god will packer coming okay we know steph curry he can't come he played a game Flex. he played a game all right he, he, like he's gonna be watching for howard god, i checked i did i, I checked i'm not gonna lie so he he, he, <laughs> he playing a game but he might be watching because he got abc down there you know Coast, he got abc lebron now we gotta see that's the the, the wild card is lebron all right, cause you know LeBron around December, they be playing Atlanta. You know, what All saying? right? We gotta check that Lakers
1: schedule, man. They have any Hawks <laughs> games around there? We gotta check.
0: Right, because he were last right around his birthday. Same, so he might have it a little bit earlier in December. So, listen, LeBron may pull. You might see LeBron on the sidelines with the Famu hoodie. He might rock some new Famu LeBrons with the with the orange and green. So, you you never. That's what we need to talk about. We ain't. We ain't, You get a great breakdown. I have no game analysis at this point because Famu is gonna win. All right, but we got to figure out. Like, we got to get the RSVP list at this point because Famu is gonna win this game.
1: Right. I think most important is you comes out of this healthy, too. You know, a win, a win is one thing, but coming out of this unhealthy will be even bigger blow. You know, you got to keep Jerry Musa upright. Got to keep a, a lot of these receivers, keep them upright. The Marcus Riley's, John Marie you know, they come out of this healthy, or at least fairly healthy. I'm pretty sure all the players now at this point are like probably 70% of 100, you know, playing 12, 13 games, body beat down. Right, but make it one more game, right? Cause I just kind of kinda remember that SWAC championship game where Juwan Pass goes down for Prairie and M. And then we actually get to see the first taste of Trazon Conley in the Swag Championship. But it changed the game so much. <laughs> it changed it so much. Trazon Conley throwing it backwards. They don't know where to throw it. The defense look discombobulated. So injuries do play a role, in. I mean, I will say in postseason play, you want to stay healthy. You want to come in healthy. But depth is also the biggest thing, right? If, if your guys can step up and make plays, kind of saw with Central last week when Davies went down and brought in the back of quarterback, he couldn't move the ball. That was a problem, right? And, and Davies knew he had to get back in and keep them in the game. So with FAMU, man, as long as they stay healthy, I think there's no reason why they can't beat up on Prairie and m this weekend.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be good. Listen, it's going to be on ESPN2. It's going to be at Bragg Memorial Stadium on Ken Riley Field. I I love it. Ken Riley Field. Shout out to Ken Riley and the family of Ken Riley. Rest in peace, Ken Riley, the legend, the rattler. All right? So listen, making it happen. We think FAMU gets to win. But Prairie View is a great team. All joking aside, Prairie View is a great team. And like you always say, Flicks, it's rare that you get to play a team twice. So I think that that prayer of you, you know, I, I think that they'll play them a little bit differently than they did before. But I want to, you know, first and foremost, Flix, thank you for coming on, for filling in. REO going to be back. We're super excited. We're going to have REO back real soon. But, man, let us know we can find you, how we can support you.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, thanks for having me on, man. It's been a very... Good time. I had a great time on here HBCU Post. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Kelly Flicks, man. I'm on Instagram with the same handle at Kelly Flicks and uh, on YouTube. I'm on the LACE Up Podcast Network, man. Beginning to build it and grow it out. I have a weekly show. I kind of put it on hiatus right now, but it'll be back. It's on ice. But uh, yeah, mainly talking about HBCU football, breaking down Division One, Division Two level, and even NAI. Shout out to Florida Memorial. Shout out to Langston out there. So yeah, mainly HBCU football. Get with me, man, at Kelly Flicks.